This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Felix Salmon, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Thursday, December 9, and we are focused on antiquities. History is part of our shared humanity. Archaeologists spend years uncovering sites, painstakingly finding objects in some of the most inhospitable parts of the planet to learn about our shared past. Their work gets ruined on a heartbreakingly regular basis by looters who come in, who steal the antiquities, and who take them to London or Paris or New York to these dealers, who in turn cultivate a small network of men who pay top dollar. Hedge fund billionaire Michael Steinhardt was one of those men. Until this week, he was forced to stop collecting and he was forced to repatriate 180 different pieces he had illegally collected from 11 different countries. After the break, I'm going to speak to Christos Syrianis of Aarhus University in Denmark. He helped law enforcement in the Steinhardt case, and he's going to talk to me about just how damaging it is when antiquities are looted and traded. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm joined now by Christos Turianis of Aarhus University in Denmark. Christos, welcome to Axios Recap. I wanted to talk to you about trade in antiquities. Um, this is something you are an expert in. And I think a lot of people don't understand when they think about rich people buying art, everyone's like, that's great. Rich people can buy paintings. They put them on the wall. They show them off. The money goes to the artists. Everyone's happy. With antiquities, it's different, right? Because if you're buying an antiquity, uh, often that money goes to looters. Exactly. Especially the buyer is not exercising due diligence before acquiring the object. And it is the responsibility of the buyer to exercise due diligence in provenance itself, therefore to check uh, in details for documentation that verifies the legal origin of each object as far back in time as possible, and especially with the approval of the true real country of origin. And this is where the problem lies, really. And if it doesn't have such a documentation, um, the buyers, whether they are private collectors or museums, they shouldn't touch the object because there is a high probability that uh, sooner or later they will find themselves in huge trouble, legal and other. So we've had a couple of very high profile cases in the United States recently. First of all, there was the 
Hobby Lobby case, which involved 17,000 objects, just got repatriated to Iraq earlier this year. Now we have Michael Steinhardt repatriating a bunch of objects to 11 different countries. Clearly, these buyers didn't do their due diligence. But beyond that, it looks that they weren't really trying very hard. Yes, that is true. And especially in the Steinhardt case, uh, where uh, I was uh, involved as a researcher, identifying illicit antiquities, we verified several cases that were uh, so obvious that they just omitted, neglected, or uh, even they knew, even worse, they knew that things were illicit one way or another, and yet uh, they didn't care. 45 of the objects had dirt on them when he bought them. And that's a, that, and if you buy an object with dirt on it, you know there's something fishy going on because if it's legitimate, it will have been always very carefully cleaned before it's sold. Exactly. But this is a, another way of hiding this evidence by giving them, the, the members of the trafficking networks, to expert restorers in order to, to bring them back from a fragmentary condition to a perfect-looking condition and also to clean them and therefore to take away any indications that criminal activity has taken place quite recently. But there were other cases which were um, even worse. The first case that uh, started the whole issue here with the Steinhardt collection was uh, when I identified back in 2014 in December in an auction uh, of Christie's in New York, uh, two objects that Michael and Judy Steinhardt put from their collection on auction Christie's for sale. And one of them was a very rare prehistoric marble idol from Italy, from Sardinia, which I found in a notorious traffickers' confiscated archive depicted in a photograph, smashed in pieces and missing part of its head. While in Christie's, uh, it was such a wonderful restoration that you couldn't tell that it was ever been broken. Of course, I notified the American authorities, and from then on started the downfall of the collection, followed uh, raids and more identifications of more antiquities, and so on. And now we reach the point of repatriation. But the point is here that the two objects were withdrawn, and instead of being delivered to the authorities, they went back to the premises of Michael Steinhardt, where they remained for three years. So explain the thought process as best you can of antiquities collectors. One of the numbers that really jumped out at me in this case was that Michael Steinhardt had spent $27 million on these pieces in total, and they are now valued at $70 million. Clearly, there is a lot of demand from rich people to buy these kind of objects, even though the broad consensus among people like yourself, scholars, um, archaeologists, is that it is immoral to be encouraging trade in these objects by paying cash for them. It's illegal and that's it. End of story. It's not a matter of an opinion. Then, of course, I agree with you, it's a matter of ethical standards. That's a whole big discussion uh, when they start, um, uh, if they have applied decades or even 100 years uh, earlier, uh, and so on. And therefore, the more safe way to approach the problem is uh, whether something is legal or not, where there is no doubt and leaves no space for the opinion of anyone in this kind of discussion. 
Michael Steinhardt has managed to avoid any kind of criminal prosecution in this case, as did Philip Green of Hobby Lobby. So long as the collectors don't get prosecuted, is there any hope that this kind of illegal collecting will ever stop? I don't believe so. Uh, while I, I can understand the reasons for which uh, the district attorney's office in Manhattan, New York, uh, decided to, to deal with a case like that, Personally, I would like to see charges and prosecutions, uh, not only against Michael Steinhardt, but in, in general, in everyone who was found with criminal evidence of uh, acquiring uh, illicit antiquities or traded even. And in this case, uh, we had both, both acquisition and trade. And therefore, I don't believe there is that clear the message it's a clear message to some respects that, um, you know, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, position you have in the society one way or another. Uh, nothing of this matters when it comes to evidence about illicit antiquities cases and acquisition and trade. And sooner or later, this will be found and uh, people will lose their objects, will lose the money that they paid uh, and they invested in, in these objects. And um, they will gain negative publicity if also won't be involved in criminal investigations and further charges and prosecution. So what happens now? These antiquities will be repatriated to their countries of origin. But part of the problem with looted antiquities is that the detailed knowledge of exactly where they came from and the scholarship that's associated with that is often lost how how much do we know about exactly where these objects came from and and what's going to happen to them now the biggest problem in the field of illicit antiquities is the erasure of history of our common history because the objects belong where they belong legally but the history of them belongs to all of us with no exception and therefore it is now a wonderful opportunity for the state authorities of each one of the 11 countries where these objects are being repatriated to to start investigating further once the objects are back to see and uncover the associations further associations of uh, other people with these objects within their states i.e middlemen and fortunately in some cases even to find the looters themselves this will uh, uh, probably lead to indicate even the fine spots in some cases, as it has happened before in uh, dozens of cases of repatriated objects back to their countries of origin. In some of these cases where the exact fine spot is rediscovered, the, some of the best objects um, actually return to near the fine spot in the museum that it is in the local museum near the fine spot in order A, to be associated with that as part of the reconstruction of the history, of the true history, of the ancient history of the object. And uh, second, to uh, be a wonderful financial aid to the local community because this will attract uh, tourism and therefore further financial help to, to the local community, most of the times far away from the big centers of that country, city centers of these countries of origin. Christos Tsiroyanis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. Welcome back. What I'm watching today is one of the foremost names in antiquities, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. 
The Met is constantly under pressure from countries around the world to repatriate some of its priceless treasures, including the Temple of Dendur. It has always pushed back hard against that kind of pressure. And today, however, it caved on a slightly different front. The Met announced that it's taking the Sackler name off seven exhibition spaces, including the wing that houses the Temple of Dendur. The Sacklers were not big antiquities collectors, but they were peddlers of opiates. Maybe that's one of the few things that's even worse. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Felix Salmon, and my colleague Erica Pandy will be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. 